Hello and welcome to Contact Chai. Today's Shabbat replay is from our December 3rd Saturday morning Shabbat service, where Rabbi Dina delivered a drosh on the difficult task of interpreting even the hurtful actions of others in good faith. This month, Mishkan has a lot going on, like this Thursday night's music jam. But I'll let Rabbi Lizzie explain. Take it away, Rabbi. just say again, welcome to everybody, especially if you're here for the first time. And if you live in the city of Chicago and you're thinking to yourself, oh, actually, services done this way maybe aren't that bad. Um, I want to invite you back. We're on on Friday nights, like every other Friday night and every other Shabbat morning. Like we're on next Friday night. We'll be having a, a musical guest playing with us, Rabbi Micah Shapiro. He's already been with us a couple times, sort of getting in a groove of good music making together. And he'll be doing a music workshop, sort of a collective music making in our office on Thursday night. I'm like seeing some heads nodding of people who come, bring instruments, um, and would love to have you, whether you play an instrument or just sing or just like being in the room when people sing. And as we move toward the end of the year, uh, Hanukkah is happening. I was about to say like we're ramping down, but that is a lie. Um, <laughs> we're, we're doing all kinds of things for Hanukkah. We have drag story time for, um, for kids five through about 10 years old. We still have spots for that left. And then uh, wine tasting. This is all happening at Rattleback Records in Andersonville. Um, and you're invited to, to all of it. It's All of this stuff is online. And then for the last Friday night of the calendar year, which happens to be Erev, Erev Christmas, um, like the night before the night before Christmas, December 23rd, we're having Chinese food and latkes in our office. Um, and you are invited to join us for that. Uh, all of this is online. If you want to get on our email list, you can just, you know, do it on the website. And then I'll say for, you know, just as an FYI, like every other organization at the end of the year, if this has been a place that you have found moving and that you want to support in any way, we will gladly accept your end of year donations. Um, and just to say thank you for being here and celebrating with us this morning. And I will turn it over to Rabbi Dina for some words of Torah. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who was complaining to me that she was frustrated with her spouse because he wouldn't share her food. He wouldn't share his food with her that she asked for some and his response was order your own and not here, honey, help yourself. And she says grounds for divorce right there. The thing is, my parents are divorced. And while I fully support my parents making the choices that they need to be able to be happy, Divorce is really hard and painful for everyone. Which is to say that my friend's joke kind of touched a nerve with me. So I snapped back at her, saying something like, divorce is a necessary but difficult last step if you can't live with someone. He just wouldn't share his fries with you. And we got into it a little bit with each other, and she got defensive, and I doubled down on my attack, and we got into a little bit of a fight. And a couple days later, I was talking to another friend about this conversation, and I was kind of venting about my frustration with my friend. And my, my friend I was talking to, Ari, said to me, okay, what's the MRI here? The what? I asked. The MRI, the most respectful interpretation. 
I assumed that my friend was being insensitive with her comment, but that was definitely not the MRI on what she had said, and my response was definitely not the most respectful response to her. Together, she and I created a circle of hurt around this little joke because she just needed a moment to vent about her spouse, and I felt hurt that she was flippant about something that felt so personal, and then she felt attacked by my response, and so on. And we do this all the time. We make assumptions about other people, about their intentions, about their actions, without applying the MRI. We think we know someone, and so we don't think we need to think twice about what they do and why they do it. We think that we can understand them instinctively. It's in our nature, nature as humans to interpret the world based on what we know. So it's not a bad thing. The question is, how can we get better at applying the MRI as our first or primary response when someone says something that wrinkles us a little bit? It is very hard to do that. Like I said, it is not in our nature to stop and think about the most respectful interpretation for someone who has just hurt our feelings. And even famous commentators have a very hard time with this. We see one of those instances in this week's Parsha. So just as a little context reminder, Lavan is the brother of Rebecca. He's the nephew of Abraham. He was there when Eliezer, Abraham's servant, came to get Rebecca to be Isaac's wife. And Eliezer did that with 10 camels laden with gold and jewelry and riches. So he is now Rachel and Leah's father, Jacob's uncle. So he has a little bit of context on knowing the family. So we fast forward a few decades to our Parsha. Jacob meets Rachel at the well. They fall in love. Rachel runs home. She's like, Dad, you're never going to guess who I met at the well. (laughs) And now I'm going to quote the Torah for a second. On hearing the news of his sister's son, Jacob, Lavan ran to greet him. He embraced him and kissed him and took him into his house. Jacob told Lavan all that had happened, and Lavan said to him, You are truly my bone and flesh. When Jacob had stayed with Lavan for a month, Lavan said to Jacob, Just because you are my nephew, should you serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Okay, so let's pretend for a second that that is all we know about Lavan, what has happened so far in the Torah and this greeting that he offers to Jacob. What kind of person do we think Lavan is? Shout it out. Generous. Loving. Hospitable. What'd you say? Controlling a little. Curious. Right? Like, sexist. Possible. Um, On the whole, he seems like he's a pretty welcoming guy. Okay, so Rashi, who's like the OG commentator on the Torah, quotes a Midrash and sees Lavan's actions here of running out to greet Jacob and hugging him and kissing him and welcoming him into his home very differently. I'm going to do it the way Rashi does. He's going to go word by word. So Lavan ran towards Jacob, thinking that Jacob was laden with money because Abraham's servant had come there with 10 camels fully laden. Then Lavan embraced Jacob, Seeing that he had no camels with him, he thought maybe he has gold coins hidden away in his clothes. 
And then he kissed him because he felt nothing on his clothing and thought maybe he has gemstones in his cheeks. At which point, Jacob told Lavan that he had only come because he was fleeing his brother and that he had no money because it had all been taken from him. So in Rashi's very not MRI of Lavan, Lavan is exclusively motivated by money and power. He sees Jacob and he thinks, money, money, money. And he only gets to know what happened to Jacob after he gives his nephew a thorough pat down. Lavan turns out later in the Torah to do some pretty sketchy things like swapping brides on the night of their marriage, trying to cheat Jacob out of wages by offering him a very silly exchange of spotted sheep. So it's not like we have no basis to think that Lavan might not be the world's most upstanding dude. But at this point, bless you, in the Torah, I don't think we have any reason to believe that Lavan wasn't anything other than genuinely honored to welcome Jacob. I look at Rashi's interpretation of this scene, and of course Rashi knows the whole Torah, and I see the consequences of not applying the MRI, even if we have reason to believe that someone doesn't deserve it. What if Jacob had encountered his uncle Lavan with goodwill? What if we had seen this scene as a moment of Lavan being excited to be able to offer refuge to his nephew to be able to marry his daughters to someone in the family, which I know, Sydney, it's weird, but at the time it was considered very good and normal. (laughs) How might Jacob's life have played out differently if this first encounter had been read as one of respect? When we don't apply the MRI to a situation, we cause breakdowns in relationships. And when we do apply the MRI, we can bring a relationship closer So my feelings may have been hurt by my friend's comment, but it's partly because I've been feeling hurt the last few years that my friends haven't checked in with me more about my parents' divorce. I also realize I almost never talk about it or how it makes me feel to anyone. So maybe my friends haven't been asking me because they didn't want to be prying or they didn't want to be pushing me to talk about something I wasn't ready to talk about yet. How could I expect my friend to know that this was a sore subject if I never told her so? In our conversation, my friend was just looking to express some frustration with her spouse and to be able to do that in a way that felt a little bit lighthearted, to express that she actually wasn't all that upset with me. If I had been able to respond in the moment with the MRI, I would have been able to offer my friend the support that she needed And I probably also would have had the chance to let her in on something that I was going through and share it with her. This kind of letting people in, I believe, is an essential act of tikkun olam, of repairing the world. Our world is full of brokenness, Jewish tradition imagines. Brokenness that dates all the way back to the creation of the world. The Kabbalistic understanding of the story of creation is that God had to contract the divine self to make room for the rest of the universe. And in doing so, the divine light became contained in these special vessels that shattered. And so the world is full of these shattered shards of divine container. So while some of the light has been returned to its divine source, we still live in a world that is full of brokenness that could be a container 
for the divine, for something holy. Tikkun olam, repairing the world, begins when we repair relationships because we are each a reflection of the divine. Tikkun olam is fundamentally about recognizing our own brokenness and instead of reflecting it back on others, looking to connect with them through it. This goes for so many of the big ruptures in society. When we talk about Israel-Palestine and when we talk about systemic racism and when we talk about access to reproductive care and so many more things. But we don't need to jump right in using the MRI on those big things. We can start small with our own personal individual relationships. We can practice it with our family and our friends and our coworkers and that person who cut you off on the highway. These acts are not just trivial compared to the big stuff. They are actually essential to the act of repairing the world. The more solid relationships that we build, the more we believe in our own capacity to build solid, trusting, close relationships with other people. We learn to see that we can experience frustration without breaking a relationship with someone else. We can, in fact, use that frustration to get closer to them to bring ourselves together. Learning to see others as well-intentioned takes practice, but it is a practice that we can all do. It's never too late to return to a hurtful moment and reconsider it. So I called my friend about a week after our initial conversation, and I told her that it hurt my feelings to hear her reference divorce in such a flippant, light way. And I also told her, that I was sorry that she was feeling frustrated with her spouse, that French fries are just French fries, but feeling like you live with someone who isn't open to sharing things with you bites a little bit. And she, in turn, apologized for not considering my feelings when she spoke. And we ended up having this beautiful and deep conversation where she was able to share some of the things going on in her marriage, and I was able to share my feelings about my family and we came out of that conversation closer to each other than we had been before we talked a week earlier. Because I was prompted to reconsider my interpretation of the situation, because I took the time to step back and say, what is the most respectful interpretation for why my set friend said this thing that feels hurtful? She and I have a better friendship now. So I want to ask you, to join me in continuing to ask yourself when you feel hurt, what's the MRI here? How can I look at this situation and this other person's, person's actions with more respect, assuming first and foremost that their intentions were good? Because we never know when we do that how we might contribute to repairing the world by repairing relationships with others. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishkan, thank you for listening. <laughs>